Scott, today here's uh, what we want to do is we want to talk about application. <laughs> do you remember uh, some of the process we're going through in First yep. Peter? Do yes? Are you asking the crowd? Was, are you asking myself? I, I don't know. I'm asking you. Just do you remember? It's a yes no question more than anything. I do. I do. I do remember. We're going through. We, uh, we structure. <laughs> oh. I have such a bad internet connection right now. It's a yeah. terrible time. It's probably because yeah. my kids are on three different devices streaming Disney Plus and all three of them. Like all of our bandwidth is being sucked out of our house right now. Um, there you go. So structure I heard and context. Yes. Context, structure, yes. context. What's happening? What's it saying? That's kind of like all of this stuff. Like the this, all these markings are contextual markings. Structure is once you take this and you kind of organize it to figure out... What, what word has been repeated? Uh, chapter four, the word that I, th I saw that was repeated is glory and grace. Um, tons of that. Um, also uh, uh, in here, it was uh, purpose. The word purpose kept popping up. Um, four verse one, four verse six, four verse seven. And you're looking for those things. You're trying to see, are these clues to help me understand what the author is saying? Then from there, you want to get the theme, right? And so you're going to take your theme it's gonna put to a couple words what uh, has been said already. And then you're gonna ask the question, and this is where we're being electro, a little extra strategic. We wanna ask the question, what does the gospel have to say about this? Or what does this have to say about the gospel? Um, do you, Spurgeon uh, is a, is a uh, he was an old Baptist preacher back in the 1800s in London. And he is like the preacher of preachers, prince of preachers is what we call him. He used to, have, he's had this quote. He said, um, in every text, I try and take it and make a beeline to the cross. That was his, that was his phrase. Every text I read, I'd make a beeline to the cross. In essence saying, here's what it says. And I want to get that over to how, how did Christ on the cross? And, and then and the cross is a, I feel like we should maybe talk about this. When we talk about the gospel and the cross, we're not just talking about those six, nine hours that Jesus was on the cross. Mm -hmm. Cross is a reference to the event of Christ's work, is what John calls it. Um, his, his purpose, his glorification, his hour, but then also his death, burial, and resurrection. That's what Paul calls it. So, so the cross is more than just like, why did Jesus have to die for your sins? The cross can often yeah. be, um, you know, extended out towards the the kingdom of God coming to this earth and putting things back in place, and so it's more than just a personal. Otherwise, we think, why, what in this text did God have to do in sending Jesus to die for me? And it, if we mm -hmm. only approach the gospel with that type of theme, we'll get too narrow of a gospel. We'll we'll get a really individual yeah. gospel. The gospel is individual, but it's also broader than that. You know what I mean? And maybe I'm saying something yeah. that, that uh, people aren't asking a question about, and I'm just harping on it. And I, I'm curious you know, what you think. I think it's good because it is difficult sometimes to kind of parse out what the gospel actually means. And we hear it all the time, and it becomes this rote word that has no meaning attached to it. Um, there's, uh, there's an author who's... Um, definition I really like when he talks about what the gospel is, and he talks about the gospel as the power for salvation from the penalty of sin, from the uh, power of sin, and from the presence of sin. So it's kind of yeah. like this past, present, future. Yep. 
um, instruction for how the gospel influences all those things. So the penalty, like our position with God, the power, mm-hmm. sin in my life right now, and then ultimately the presence of sin forever. So I, I appreciate that Spurgeon quote and how does the gospel fit into those three aspects like past, present, and future and my relationship yeah. with God, Christ. Yeah. And then what we want to do after that is to, which is such a great layup. So what does this mean for me? <laughs> so how does this apply to our society, to our church, to our families, to our relationships as I'm going about my life? Um, how do I live this out? And that's the question today we want to ask. We've, we've done episodes in the past on structure and context. We've done ex- episodes in the past on the gospel, how you find that or how you highlight that. Um, we do that in chapter two. Chapter chapter three has some excellent um, uh, verses 18 all the way through 22. We broke that down with Dr. Bacote last week, gospel. Um, we could do that again, right, in chapter four. But Scott, yeah. I thought we would take it easy this week, and, and not easy, actually this is the most important work, is to ask the question, <laughs> how does what this person is saying, how does it actually mm-hmm. impact my life? And so if you're watching on Facebook with us, we actually want to extend an opportunity for you today to join us on the feed. You need to have Skype installed. Um, we're going to just let people open, you know, join this conversation. We're going to put you on air. Um, but you need to have Skype installed. And I need you just to um, per- private message me on Facebook. You're already on Facebook. Shoot me um, a private message saying, hey, I've got a thought or, or a question that I want to ask you. And um, we'll go ahead and we'll send you the link and then you'll pop on and we'll be able to put you on here and whatnot. But we want to know, mm. after you've read First Peter, and if nobody does this, this is fine. Um, you know, it'd be even all the more shorter for us all. But um, we want to ask the question, how does this apply to our life tonight? And so um, maybe let's get some broad themes out of chapter four, Scott. As you read it, what were some of the broad themes sure. that you saw? Yeah, I, I, you look at grace, um, I think suffering in the, or living out your Christian uh, testimony in the midst of suffering is there again, as it has been through the whole book. I think that was one that um, I kind of picked up, kind of this flesh versus spirit theme. What was something that you saw? You already said grace. And yeah, gra- grace, you know, verse 10, um, employ and serve, using your gifts for the grace of God. Um, but you also see, right, purpose goes back to, um, I think, verse 18 of chapter 3. Christ died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, and purpose, so that he might bring us to God. Chapter 4, verse 1, therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same purpose. That's why I went back to there. Why did Christ suffer in the flesh? What was his purpose? Mm. It was to bring us to God. How do we... How do we acknowledge that we've been brought to God? It goes back to chapter, um, is that chapter two? Be holy as I am holy, or is that chapter one, the end yeah. of it? You I know think that. that's chapter Yeah, it's chapter two, I believe. Um, and, uh, and so I saw this, this purpose in this. Do you also notice all the timing indicators here in uh, chapter four? Yeah. Uh, so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, right? Yeah. Um, no longer for the lust of men. That's a harking back to that central theme in chapter two, uh, which we kind of called out as a hypo- hypothetical main point. I'm even more convinced this week than I was before, but abstain from fleshly lusts, lusts which wage war against your soul. Um, 
I think it goes to the um, freedom from the presence of sin aspect of the gospel that you were talking about a moment ago, saying um, anyone who suffered yeah. in the flesh has ceased from sins, uh, ceased from sin, uh, rather. Mm-hmm. And so I'm glad you're hitting on that because that was a question that I had when this came up. Because you you look at that and you read it's okay. Uh, I I still sin. <laughs> Does that mean that I am not? I, I don't have this union with Christ. But I, I think you're right. We have to figure out, okay, how, what time does this fall in for us in the grand uh, you know, scope of things? Right. Christ's victory in the past and his example in the past, right? It's not just his example that Peter's pointing out to you, but his actual atonement that has been accomplished, redemption that has been accomplished, what God yeah. has done through Christ, receiving glory and, and crushing sin and freeing us from sin, giving us the—Luther called it, we— um, it is possible for us not to sin, right? Passe mm-hmm. non peccare uh, is the Latin there. If you want a fun Google rabbit hole to go down, just check out Luther. Is it Luther? Uh, passe peccare uh, is possible to sin. Non passe non peccare is not possible not to sin. And all yeah. of these elements of life uh, from the garden to the new Jerusalem, it's either we are created possible to sin and then it was not possible not to sin and then through christ it's possible not to sin and then in the future it will not not be possible to sin it's a wonderful mm. thing um but right now we live in this time where it's possible for us not to sin because of the work that christ has done so verse two live the rest of your time in the flesh no longer for the lusts of men and i mm. as i think about um as i think about the idea of application you read a word like this and, and he gives you, um, verse 3, all of these examples of what the lusts mm-hmm. of men are. Yeah. And lust is one of those, like, I don't know, it's a word that conjures up a lot of um, different differing thoughts. Um, the idea is that it's something that I crave in my own fleshliness that is supposed to be satisfied some other way. Look at what he says in verse three. It's the desire, right? The time has already passed, another time indicator. You're done with that. Um, To carry out the desire of the Gentiles. This is kind of another way to say the the lusts of men. Having pursued a course of, look at all these things, sensuality, lusts, drunkenness, carousing. I love the New American Standard Bible. (laughs) Carousing, right? Drinking parties and abominable idolatries Mm. now the abominable idolatries covers an insane amount of things whether that's your zillow obsession or your pinterest obsession or your instagram obsession or whatever the idolatry is our phones our little idol factories and um and so i want to pause on application and i want to just ask the question in this how how do we apply this. And so for me, here's one thing I'm thinking about is that Christ suffered to, he he purchased my redemption, doing what is right, my righteousness, my holiness, my sanctification, my, my becoming more like him is all tied up in his suffering. And so how do I not run, verse four, run with people in the same excesses of dissipation? That's a way of saying, um, doing what is evil. Number one, 
the question is, how do I abstain from these things? It's with it's with being armed. Do you see that word being armed? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's a it's this like when you arm an alarm, when you like activate it. It's like it's like You're setting back up in verse one. Verse one. Yeah. Yeah. It's like setting yeah. your mindset and your attitude and your hope upon the fact that Christ suffered for my freedom. Christ mm. suffered for God's glory. And whatever suffering I'm enduring right now temporarily, whether it's yeah. this this desire to be like the people around me, and I can't because the things they're doing are contrary to the, to the things of the Lord. Um, mm. If I'm reminded that Christ has suffered for me to have freedom from those things, it allows me uh, to live the rest of my time in the flesh, not for the things of this world, but for the things of God, where I'll value not drunkenness, but sobriety. Mm-hmm. I'll value the idea that I'll have um, a conscientiousness about my life. I'll value that I'm not just frivolously throwing away money on uh, things that don't matter. Uh, I'm thinking about carousing and drinking parties um, of all the things that require tremendous amounts of resources that you spend your time upon. Not to say it's wrong to have a good time or to even enjoy uh, your friends, but to pursue that in an excessive way. That's kind of the the point here. Um, As well as sensuality and lust. Those have, I think, sexual uh, undertones to them in the way that um, Peter uses that. So much of that already is getting my mind thinking about our culture. Mm. And what do we yeah. want to do? I want you to talk to us because I know you, you mentioned this to me. So I'd love for you to flesh this out for us. When we look at the context and then the, um, the, the structure and we get the theme and we look at the gospel, you're, you're kind of making this bridge from the world of the Bible to the world of today. And that's really good application. Can you maybe flesh that out for us thinking about the um, – the, uh, I'm I'm forgetting the word right now. My screen just went dark because universal. my mind went blank. Yes. Yes. The universal principle. Yes. How do we how would yeah. you get universal principles? Let me see if I can get this back on. Yeah, no, that's that's really good. And and I think at the end of the day, that's really what you're pursuing you're pursuing in Bible study. So we've got to remember just like we were doing here in First Peter that this was written to a first century audience and they dealt with things uh contextual, like on the surface, that were very different than, than what we deal with now. But at the end of the day, uh, they were sinful humans, and we are sinful humans. What we wrap ourselves in and what we surround ourselves with might be a little different, but at the, at the bottom, um, it's all the same stuff. It's the same idols. It's the same pride. And so when you look, I think, at Scripture, you have to uh, begin to peel away. And I know you do this in, in your sermon study, in your sermon prep, Dan. And this is, this is how you get to the bottom of that universal principle. You have to kind of peel away those layers that are first century contextualized. And you get down to this one like universal principle, which is uh, true of all people at all times. Right? And so last week, one really, really easy one, like last week we talked about um, uh, in First in Peter 3, it talks about women not adorning themselves or... Uh, being quiet. And right. that, I think, in my opinion, is contextualized to the first century. Yeah. But underneath it, there is a universal principle that we can pull out and then stick and apply to our 21st century lives. And so I think 
mm-hmm. I think right here, some of these still still stand. Like you look at drunkenness or orgies or drinking parties and lawless idolatry. Like uh, some things transfer over really easy. Others right. do not, and you got to do the work to strip it away. Um, yeah, what do you what do you think about that? And I just wanted to to make the point. You know, I love First Peter, and I think a lot of times we look for lists like this, and we think if we follow the list, we're doing good. But these lists are always, always, always connected with the gospel, and and uh, Peter doesn't just ground like our ability to be right with God in this list. It always comes after this Christ who suffered for us and our union with Him. Yeah. And so I think it's important, like you said, to not just look at to not just look for the um, uh, you know the application, but to always drive it back to the gospel. Right. And in this situation, I think if we were just to draw the fences around our lives, we would miss the fact of verse 4. I think the true application comes in verse 4. He says, in all of this, they are surprised that you do not run with them into the same excesses, and so they malign you. That's the situation that Peter has in mind. Okay, I want to ask you, how did you get there? Why? Why do you think like that is the application? Why did you maybe move past the list a little bit and then dig into four as like, oh, I think this is his, this is what he's talking about. Why? Why? Because you have to play it out. What is Peter talking about? And so he, he says, um, he gives this, he says, this is the lusts. But you know that you're honoring the Lord. If you go a little bit further, um, verse 6 says, The gospel has for this pers- purpose been preached to even those who are dead. I think that's a spiritual deadness, by the way. Not a, mm. not a um, in hell, spirits in prison type thing. Um, but I'm sure the commentators are split on that. Again, no commentators, so we're just taking stabs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they're judged in the flesh as men so that they may live in the spirit according to the will of God. Here, here's the big picture, right? is that when you choose to live your life as holy, if you go all the way back to the main thesis that I surmised, I don't know if it was week two or week one, um, it just said, two, I, Peter's two ideas from chapter two, even or especially in exile, live or pay attention uh, that you live a holy life to and for God. That was the first point. Mm-hmm. I, I said it so clunky because I wasn't thinking, I was just writing down words. I think if I had to clean it up, I'd probably say, Especially in your exile, make sure you're living a holy life for God is the, is the idea. Number two, holy living will be your best bet, best defense and witness to help others see God. That was, that was the thing. I added a number three when I got to this point. Holy living is a witness to the future judgment of God. Mm-hmm. Holy living is a, is a witness to the future judgment of God. We can't mm-hmm. just read the Bible one word at a time and then make conclusions and then change our conclusions and then change our conclusions or then add to our conclusions. We have to be willing to modify what we've already concluded. And so for me, I read through with an applicational bend, oh man, Lord, am I sensual? Am I lustful? Am I drunk? Am I carousing? Am I going to drinking parties? Am I... Uh, engage with abominable idolatries. And honestly, the, the tendency for me was like, no, <laughs> no, Fine. no. Yeah. It was like one big check. Like, 
And I know there are people that struggle with some of those things, but for me, I was like, here's a list, passed it, acing my sanctification. But (laughs) if you get to what Peter's saying, he's really saying, are you engaged with the culture to an extent that when you choose not to do these things, they're surprised that you're Mm. not running with them. And so Mm. they're going to, they're going to try and poke at you and put you down and suppress you in a sense maligning you and he says when that happens remember that they are going to give an account to god god's ready to judge um for this purpose the gospel has been preached and the reason is that they may live in the spirit according to the will of God. It's God's will that those people who are engaged in such activities might know the gospel. And the way you're going to give yeah. them the gospel is by abstaining from these fleshly lusts that you know are not not God's will for them. And you're going to be used as a tool both of God's blessing and of their cursing to bring mm-hmm. them to a place of salvation. I think we often just stop short of why we have morality in the first place. Uh, Jamie yeah. Taves just just uh, threw in there, he said, live in the culture, but not of the culture. I think that's exactly well well said, Jamie. Um, I sometimes think we don't really know what it means in, not of. I think that's like cliche mm-hmm. language, but I, I think I know what you mean, and I totally agree. That's, that's the Absolutely. idea of what Peter's going for here. So here's the application, right? So that's the first world principle, or the, the, mm-hmm. the first century principle. Let's bring it to our, our day. And I, I don't, dude, I didn't, prep for this. So I'm just like on the call with you thinking about this and thinking about everybody yeah, who's good. commenting. So we can shape this together. Let's just take these six mm-hmm. verses. How do we in 2020 live them out? Mm-hmm. You start to ask questions about what are maybe dishonoring or maybe worldly principles that um, may lead people away from God towards sin Mm-hmm. Um, and that if we don't participate in, we might get maligned, but yeah. in our maligning, if we stand firm for the gospel, we become a, um, resounding gong that judgment is coming because holy living is a witness that there is a future judgment. And according to God's will, he could bring them into salvation because of our holy example. So here's yeah. what I'm thinking of. I'm just, I, I see you, you did this perfect. That was a great webcam thing. You were like, so just mm. off <laughs> yeah, I could like see that th- I could draw the thought bubbles. Yeah. <laughs> if you have a thought, go for it. I have one. Well, yeah. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind and, and I don't know if, if this, if this lines, cause I don't know if I've been maligned for this, but it's, uh, is my media consumption. Like is my, do I just run with culture in my mm. media consumption? Am I just watching the, the next Netflix show, no matter what's, what's on it. Um, I would, I don't know if I've ever been maligned for, uh, not watching something that the rest of the United States is watching though. You I know what I mean? All the Marvel <laughs> yeah. movies. When I tell people I haven't seen oh, it, yeah, they're like, yeah. <laughs> you just crucified yeah. yourself there, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, so I think about, um, in, in COVID world, um, mm-hmm. your opinion upon uh, the overreach or underreach of the government, right? Is this, is this something that we, um, you know, are, are playing into this uh, super state or are we not taking it seriously enough? 
And I think, particularly I say that because churches in Indiana are the first ones to open. And how we go about our business um, could impact the way people think about us. Um, are we careless in our approach to it? And in, in doing so, draw the ire of, um, of of bystanders and people watching and so dishonor, I think, the name of God. That may not be the exact, uh, again, we're, we're spitballing on the fly here. That may not be the exact situation, but there's one in there. Um, I think, um, so I had a friend, I used to work this, um, this cash job. I was, a, I was a parking valet in Chicago. I made a ton of money parking cars. <laughs> it was one of the biggest rackets of my life. But I remember one of my friends, here we go again, look at this, I got a bad bulb. <laughs> um, I remember one of my friends um, claimed all of his tips on his taxes which is what you're supposed to do, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, and I remember all of the other people on our shifts being like, can oh, you believe yeah. that guy? He says he's supposed to pay the taxes on his tips. So he foolishly paid him, but he's going to get us all in trouble because no one else is paying the tips. Um, yeah. And I thought that was a very interesting thing. They kept they started going after this dude, and he clearly said, "No, my conviction as a Christian is God's going to provide for my needs. And so if I owe this money, you know, the Bible says, give to Caesar what Caesar. So if I owe this money because I earned it and I didn't need to pay taxes, I got to pay taxes on it." And um, yeah. that guy went on to be a manager for that company for many years, and um, still lives in the city with some of those people. And I'm curious to know the impact of what God did because of his just holy living, mm. right? Um, that's a, that's a interesting way that he's doing what's right. This is going to push us. Let's go a little further into the chapter here for a second. It's going to push us into, yep. um, chapter four, uh, verses seven through 11, which essentially says in everything, God, God will be glorified in Christ, um, who owns all the glory and dominion forever. Anyway, there's a, a, um, a, a beautiful doxology, but, um, in the midst of it, he encourages believers to live in a way that the world would admire you. This looks a lot like Romans chapter 12, verses four and following what we've just been preaching through. But then he gets to verse 12 and he says, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, um, <laughs> which comes upon you for your testing as though something strange were happening to you. There, therein lies an application already is that when you, when you suffer for the sake of Christianity, um, would would you call it a test or would you call it persecution? Um, mm. And would you be surprised? And so yeah. I think what Peter's saying is, look, you follow Jesus. It's, I once heard a really obscene pastor say, and I quote this sometimes, but it's a great quote. He says, um, look, at some point in your life, you got to come to grips with the fact that the leader of our movement was put on a tree and put nails through his hands. They killed him. If you're just one of his followers, what do you think they're going to do to you? And so Peter is kind of making that point. He says, look, yeah. this is not strange. It's coming upon you for your testing and don't be surprised about it as if something was happening to you. I'm done with this light, man. This is bogus. Um, <laughs> you can still see me though, right? I think you can. Yes, yeah. Um, but, but to the degree that you... Share the sufferings of Christ. Keep on rejoicing, verse uh, 13. Uh, so at the end of times, you may rejoice. Mm. What does it look like for us to rejoice in the middle of COVID? 
Yeah. What does it look like for me? Um, what does it look like? We're going to, Rebecca, I see your question. We're going to get to that in a second. But what does it look like for us right now to not be surprised that we live in a day and age where the opinions of Christians and evangelicals are sometimes touted too highly and sometimes put very low, right? I mean, mm-hmm. do we expect for us, is, is our posture to the world an expectation? And this is, I think, the real question for me. Do I expect the yeah. world to embrace me because I'm a follower of Jesus? Mm. I think that's the default posture that most evangelicals Absolutely. take towards government and our community, to <laughs> pastors, right? Uh, yeah. I often have a hypothetical situation where I'm racing to the hospital because somebody's dying and I'm speeding. And I, I sometimes, do you do this? I sometimes look around for my Bible in case I can put it <laughs> in case, or if I'm in Hobart, I'm like, uh, Hey, you know, officer Kissy's going to get me out of this one or whatever. Um, be, why? Because I think as a pastor, the, the culture is going to look at my job and say, thank you. We respect you. Yeah. We admire you. Mm. Peter's telling us, don't be surprised when the world yeah. doesn't affirm you, but the world questions you, mm. which means when I'm, even in America, when I'm um, maligned because I'm a Christian or when people find out I'm a pastor and they think I'm crazy or, or, or because yeah. I am a Christian, keep on rejoicing. Why? Because you share in, look at this, verse 14. He says, if you're reviled for the name of Christ, this is different. Verse 15 says, not as a murderer, not as a thief, mm. not as an <laughs> evildoer, not even as a meddler, a manipulator, right? That's how we would t- talk about that today. He's yeah. saying very carefully, he's like, look, there's a lot of foolish things that you can do to make the world look at you poorly. We're not mm-hmm. talking about that. We're talking about the fact that the world looks at you poorly because of the person you follow. Not about your own folly, but who you're following. Yeah. Tweet that. And so uh, this, is the, this is the thing. You're blessed. You're blessed in those moments. Why? Because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. If I came out with a sermon and, and called it, you are blessed. What do you think <laughs> most Americans would think that sermon's going to be about? It's going to be about bigger, bigger houses, nicer oh, cars. Oh, yeah. Yep, yeah, yep. it's going to be, your, your sermon's going to be about, you know, the, the, the bigger, better, smarter kids, better Instagram, all that stuff, yeah. better job. Peter says, hey, you're blessed, bro, because you suffered for only following Jesus. Yeah. So here's People application. Church, right? that, how would yeah. that land? <laughs> yeah. It's a totally different thing. Yeah. Ben Fraley, yeah. thank you for the hashtag blessed. Hashtag um, blessed. <laughs> am I living in a way that draws criticism from non- non-believers? And I don't mean, Paul. Yeah. Paul's not going to say because you're a meddler, but is my yep. faith visible enough other people that they know the reason that i'm following christ the reason i'm making these decisions or the reason i'm whatever is not because of some misplaced sense of i'm i'm censoring myself morality i didn't freeze i just had to not call out the fundamentalist baptists oh Oh, i did it i'm sorry um not some like law that you have to subscribe to but because you believe and you you live as if this life is not the only one and so i don't have to chase people down into the the different Mm the different things. 
Um, well, I, I love the I love the seedbed that this comes out of from from this last section. You look in verse eight. It says, "Keep loving one another earnestly." So the attitude that you're supposed to have through all of this is love, and you're still you're still suffering. You are still facing trials, and, and it's at that point where we're like, "This doesn't make any sense. This is not how the the world should work." But this is how Peter, obviously writing to people in the first century, this is how they were struggling through it. And, you know, you're asking uh, application, how do we apply in this? I love at the end of this section, you're talking about time. We get another time stamp it says, for it is time for judgment. For so we 17. look to the future. Yeah. Yes. And, and it's um, right there. It says, you know, we've gotten our suffering already. Like we, we have already received our suffering. The world who rejects Christ has already received their their reward. So, you know, we we are walking through the suffering uh, with Christ together right now. But let's have a future perspective on the kind of glory and reward that Christ has won for us through His death. And I think that's uh, this section, that kind of pers- time perspective, long view perspective, really stands out for me. Yeah. Um, I'm tempted to jump jump into Ed Ochoa's comment just about pastors who fail. Um, uh, yeah. I think I think we would put that under the category of not a that's not noble. Those situations that he called out are not noble. The the ones that I understand, I don't know all of them, but the um, it's not necessarily doing what is right. Let's look all the way at the bottom of chapter four. It says mm-hmm. those who suffer according to the will of God. In those situations, I don't think there was a lot of suffering for the will of God. I think it was for the pride of the person. And I say this um, reflectively as a pastor, right? I know you think that way too, Scott. Um, yep. Therefore, those who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. The whole point is that you're going to take heat in life. Make sure you're taking heat for the right thing. That's kind of what uh, Eric and Laura Wasco kind of put out there. We can be judged for doing a lot of dumb things. And certainly as pastors, there are dumb pastors and, you know, you know, there, but by the grace of God, go I is, is part of the approach that we take yep. there. Um, but for doing what is right, we want to make sure we're doing what is right. Um, and so in all of that, we want to make sure um, that we live in such a way Uh I, I want to go back to um, this comment that uh, Rebecca Rebecca Douglas oh, yeah. asked. I didn't catch it. I'm going to throw this on here. Scott, I don't think you're going to see this, but everybody else is kind of watching this. Um, it says, what happens when it's Christian circles that malign you for not participating in, um, I think, in the unholy? Mm-hmm. Is that different than when the world does it? The question is, what happens <laughs> when it's fellow believers who call who who are who are calling you out because you're living in unholy situations is that different and i want to actually rebecca i appreciate the question i don't know that i'm going to go on the 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 logical place here i want to give two perspectives the first is um sometimes iron sharpens iron and the way that we do that is by calling out unholiness right um, being be of sound judgment, verse seven, and sober spirit. Why? For the purpose of prayer. Verse eight. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. How does love cover a multitude of sins? 
This may be one of the greatest application of questions that we ask. How does my love cover a multitude of sins? Um, I think a couple ways is number one, it is loving to call out sinful behavior. It is loving to call out sinful behavior. You know, Scott, if I, um, if I, if I, uh, I don't know, see you engage in some uh, atrocity, right? And yes. I'm like, well, that's Scott. You know, he loves Jesus. You Love do, covers sin. You do you, right? Yeah, you do you. Becomes becomes everyone did what was right in their own eyes, and then there's no standard yeah. of holiness, right? Um, if we are truly what chapter two said, a royal nation, a priestly nation, a, a, a people of God's possession, if there's like this national quality found in us, a royal priesthood, mm-hmm. That means that in the priesthood of all believers, you have the right to um, come and check into my heart and to say, brother, I, I think what you're doing is not right. And in love, approach that person. Um, I don't think that's the situation that Peter has in mind either. But I think ironically, mm-hmm. Peter might give us the flip side of this. It was Peter who got called out for doing the religious thing mm-hmm that was unholy when Paul, the apostle, just oh. gave him the riot act. Do you remember this moment? So, so Peter yeah. is with, was with the, the Jewish, the Jewish, um, you know, uh, yes. And, uh, he goes back to his Jewish ways and forsakes the gospel. And, and so I think sometimes we got to be careful with this. What if Christians, are doing unholy things, um, and uh, and not and they're the ones maligning you because you won't also join them in these unholy things. Peter mm-hmm. might be the one sitting here going, "Yeah, Paul once was doing this unholy thing of like eating food sacrificed to idols, and yeah. uh, he called me out on it. I'm that guy. I don't know, guys. I don't know about I don't know about this Paul guy. He's crazy." Don't listen. He's he's yeah. dangerous. This is a dangerous guy. He doesn't get the gospel. He doesn't understand what God's doing. I think there there's a danger whenever we um, we jump to measuring holiness. Um, mm. It's not. I just wonder about that situation. If if Peter would have had a paradigm shifting situation, give you the example. Um, my grandfather was a magician. The problem with this is he was also a Baptist pastor in the 1950s. <laughs> He had oh, no. decks of cards in the house. Oh, no. My mom, when she was like four or five years old, stumbled across them and liked the pictures on the cards, right? Like they had these like yes. fancy one side and then the, the playing cards. Brought them to my grandma and said, Mom, what are these? And my grandma said, don't you ever show anybody these things, right? <laughs> I just finished a card game five minutes ago with my son before we jumped on this yeah. call. <laughs> Why were cards such a big moral issue back in the 1950s? Mm-hmm. And then the son, the grandson of that person is a pastor trying to live a holy life, even who's indoctrinating Playing that cards. person's great grandson in cards. <laughs> yeah. I, I got to ask the question, where's the, is it unholy? Is it Right. I think there's, uh, there's yeah. questions that we're going to get into in this line of reasoning, Rebecca, that are going to lead us down to freedom in Christ and things like that. I think um, 
those are more nuanced answers than the question really yep. wanted though. I think the question was simply, sometimes we suffer because Christians don't take the gospel seriously. And sometimes we suffer because Christians don't understand what holiness looks like. And so, um, no, I'm not a secret magician, Laura, sorry. Um, and so I, I, um, I think it's a, it's, a worth, it's a worthwhile question, but here's the problem. If we're just talking about the Bible study for, for the sake of the Bible study, Peter didn't push us there. And so we got to be sensitive enough not to chase that rabbit down that trail because the trail he's pushing us towards is this idea that there is a fiery trial. Don't be surprised of it. Mm -hmm. People are going to malign you for doing right. Don't be surprised. Pray, love the believer, and ask God mm -hmm. to be glorifying Jesus through your example so that that person by the will of God might come to know Christ and be saved. Mm. That's, that's the chapter, I think, in a nutshell. So as we go yeah. out, as we go out, we, um, we want to make sure that's the attitude we do it with, is that um, I'm living conspicuously in a way where even if it takes heat, even if I lose a business account, or if, even if I um, lose a route, or even if I, you know, whatever it is, if I suffer because I'm a Christian, mm. glory to God. Anything you want to add, man? No, I, I just think verse 19 of this chapter really sums it up. Just the attitude when we face sufferings, where do we go? It says, therefore, this is ESV, by the way. Uh, yep. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Yep. We are called to do good and we serve a faithful creator uh, and we trust in him. We trust in him. 